0: Amen. Praise Lord. When Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation, what sight will behold us when the Lord finally calls us to glory, whether he calls us to meet him up in the air, whether he calls us immediately into his presence. That'll be an end to whatever prison we're facing and we find ourselves in. How exciting to know for the believer that this life is the worst that things will ever get for us. But for the non-believer, this is the best that things will ever get. And I pray that if you were in this building tonight or if you were watching online and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, tonight could be your last breath and you will step into eternity. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then you will spend an eternity in a place called hell. For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I pray somebody will be freed from the prison of sin, Today. And know that the one who is actually the jailer is also the one who is the judge and is also the one who would be have the authority and the power to set you free. And I'm thankful that I know freedom in Christ tonight. If you have your Bible study, turn to Luke chapter 16, I did say we were going to look at an instance where Abraham was in prison, and you won't find that in the Old Testament. So, we've been looking at prison experiences of the Bible. We looked at Joseph on Sunday morning, and we saw that he was in that prison in order to be promoted. We looked at Samson, he was in the prison to be chastised, so that it would get him to a point to call upon the Lord. We looked at Jeremiah who was in prison for no fault of his own, but that prison enabled Jeremiah to grow. We looked at John the Baptist, who was in a prison of doubt, asking the question, art thou thou he, or should we look for another? And Christ said that there was not a man on the earth like John the Baptist. Uh, And it kind of encourages us at those moments when we doubt, uh, when we find ourselves in these prison experiences. And then we looked at Peter. And Peter's prison just highlighted the victory that is ours. And when we know Christ as our Savior, even though the situation looked desperate, he had a peace of God that passed understanding, and he was victorious. Because, not because of who Peter was, but because of who his God was. And then last night we looked at Paul and how Paul turned his prison into a church service. I mean, he literally um, had the original midnight cry he praised god during that midnight hour and uh, literally brought the house down as he praised god praying led to praising praising led to pardon pardon led to proclaiming and as paul proclaimed the gospel message to the philippian jailer a whole city was changed and a church was started and a letter was written that's still encouraging us today all because of a prison i don't know what type of prison you're in today it's not necessarily a physical um, incarceration, but sometimes we feel like we are trapped. Maybe it's because of a work situation, a family situation, a, a wayward child, a, a difficult relationship, um, trouble in the home, trouble financially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But we feel like we are hemmed in. And sometimes those prisons are, are in a, to enable us to be promoted to the next kind of leveling our walk with the Lord. Sometimes they are to chastise us so it brings us to our knees to call upon the Lord. Sometimes when we doubt in those prisons, we see God's hand working as he comes alongside us and said, yes, you can trust my word. Sometimes those prisons are turned into such great victories that we appreciate the, the family of God that we belong to. And sometimes those prisons are an opportunity for us to worship the Lord so a lost and dying world sees Christ. Now then, every one of these prisons has something in common. We don't understand them. How many of you would like God to simply reveal His whole will to you from start to finish so you know exactly what's going to happen from the moment of salvation right up until He calls you home to glory so nothing's going to catch you out? Would you like that? Some say yes and some are like no. What if He's going to ask you to do something that you really don't want to do? but you're not mature enough yet to be able to accept what God is going to ask you to do in 10 years' time. Maybe the Lord's going to say to you, okay, in in, in a few years' time, you're going to go into a prison experience that's going to absolutely break you. If we knew that beforehand, would it help us prepare or would it cause us to kind of stay away from any kind of possibility going into that prison? I'm saying that to say this. We cannot fully comprehend why god does what he does but he does it in such a way that it's almost like baby steps so that we get through one part of our walk with the lord and then we're able to take the next part of our walk and then the next part of our walk and then the next part of our walk i want to look at tonight abraham in prison and he is going to see god's plan god's purpose god's power god's peace and God's presence in the prison. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19 says, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fed sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass... Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest the good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that that which would pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they do come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Father, we thank you again for this week. We thank you so much, Lord, to everybody uh, that has come out to the meetings, Lord, for uh, the encouragement that we've received, for the challenge that we faced through your word, for you were a presence here in the service with us, Lord, for the wonderful singing, for the great time of fellowship. But Father, this would be a complete waste of time if it weren't for you. So Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the purpose that you give each and every one of us every single day of our lives. And Father, we pray that tonight you would speak to our hearts and that you would encourage us for us to realize that you do have a purpose for our lives. That there is even a plan in our time of suffering, even though we might not understand it right now. Even though we may never understand it till we get to glory. You have a plan and a purpose for us. You have a plan for our sufferings. And that plan can help us and it can also bring you glory, honor and praise. So, Father, I just pray tonight that you would just bless this last message, that you would bless our time together and bless our fellowship, and that you'd continue to bless this incredible church, Lord. And We just pray now that you'd meet with us in a wonderful way, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. When we come to this passage of Scripture, most times we focus on one of the two places mentioned. We normally focus on the torment side of this um, area. Um, but we also see here that on the other side of that gulf, where the rich man went, on the other side of that gulf is Abraham. And is referred to as Abraham's bosom. In other parts of the scripture, it's also referred to as paradise, which is a glorious place, a wonderful place. The first thing I want you to understand is that hell here is not the eternal place of torment. And before you start lynching me and... Crying heresy—it's um, not. It's not the eternal place of torment, because Revelation says that death and hell gave up the dead, and then they were cast into the lake of fire which burneth forever. That is the eternal place of torment. This was a holding cell. Um, this was a temporary place, um, which was necessary. Um, So the Bible makes it very clear that this particular hell is not the eternal place of torment, the lake of fire is. Now then, that said, Abraham's bosom is not an eternal place, it was a temporary place. It is not a place that we will go to because we are the bride of Christ. Um, Abraham's bosom were for those who had faith in God. Remember now, in the Old Testament, people were saved just exactly the same way that they're saved in the New Testament, by faith. They were justified by faith. If you read Hebrews 11, you see that they were justified by faith. But they could not go into the presence of God because sin had not been dealt with properly yet. Um, Christ's blood had not been applied to the mercy seat. So they went to Abraham's bosom as a temporary dwelling place until Christ went to glory, presented the the blood on the mercy seat, and then we are told that he went into the lower parts of the earth and led captivity captive. As the bride of Christ today, Paul said, I am confident and rather willing to say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So who went to Abraham's bosom? everybody that died who had faith in God, but before the cross of Calvary. Hebrews 10, 4 says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. The, the sacrifices in the Old Testament could not take away sin. They covered sin. If you like the mercy seat, Uh, in the holy of holies in the tabernacle in the the temple because of man's sin time and time again that mercy seat cried out sacrifice 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 that there those sacrifices just proved what the cost of sin was however when Christ died upon the cross and took his blood that perfect offering the perfect spotless sinless lamb of God took that blood to the mercy seat of heaven that mercy seat no longer cries out sacrifice sacrifice sacrifice, it cries out, satisfied, satisfied, satisfied. It is not possible for the blood of bulls and of goats to take away sins. Hebrews 10, says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers there unto perfect. So Abraham couldn't go into the presence of God because Christ's blood had not yet been offered on the mercy seat. That way hadn't been made possible. They couldn't enter into the highest place of heaven. So instead, they are in this area called paradise. You might say, well, it's a bit of a stretch to call it a prison. But they weren't where they were meant to be. Not yet until that day that sin was paid for once and for all Hebrews 10:19 says having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus we are able to go boldly before the throne of grace today because of the blood of Jesus. We are able to say, absent from the body and present with the Lord today because of the blood of Jesus. If you know Christ as your Savior, if you are a blood-washed, blood bought child of God and washed in the blood of the Lamb, then if you died right now, you'd go straight into the presence of God. But before Christ's death on Calvary, the righteous went to Abraham's bosom those who we would say technically unsaved went into the torment part of hell, Hades, in the center of the earth, where the gulf was fixed between, and they went to that place called hell. So those in hell could look across and see those in paradise. Those in paradise could look across and see those in torment, um, in Ephesians 4, 8, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave, and gave gifts unto men. So the Lord entered into Abraham's bosom, entered into that paradise part um, of this temporary holding area, and led captivity captive, took them to where they um, should have been, into the glories of heaven, Ephesians 4.9. Now that he ascended, what is it? But they also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. Where did Christ go? Into Abraham's bosom to, to take his people home. So what does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with the prison experience? What does this have to do with our issues? God doesn't reveal everything to us in one go. God didn't reveal everything to Abraham in one go. God didn't reveal everything to Adam and Eve in one go. God didn't lay out his entire plan from the minute Adam and Eve were created right the way up until Christ would die upon Calvary. He didn't reveal it all in one go. And the thing is this, we may never know the reason for our prison. We might never know until we get to glory why we went through a valley, why we went through a a trial, why we lost a loved one so early, why we went through a traumatic experience. But when we get to glory, we might find out exactly why that prison was important in our life, why that trial had to happen. Because you never know how many people you will affect because of the difficulty you face and that you might have the opportunity for people to come to know Christ because of your suffering. God didn't reveal his entire plan to man in one go. God revealed, God revealed things in, I would want to say sections, but as you go through the Bible, you kind of get a fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller picture. Uh, and that's what he did about his son. He revealed those details over uh, a period of time. Eve didn't know what the name was of the one who would be born of her seed. She just knew that the seed of woman would crush the head of the, uh, the serpent seed, and the serpent seed would, would bruise the heel of her seed. And, but she didn't know what uh, the name of that seed was. She just put her faith in the promises of God and found herself in Abraham's bosom until the time came. Throughout the ages, Abraham, Noah, Adam, Eve, um, all of these um, characters, Seth, Job, gathered in this place. And can you imagine every time somebody left earth and died and came down into Abraham's bosom? The type of conversation that must have taken place. They weren't just interested in every person that walked through the door, they were excited. They anticipated the time that the door would open and the one that was promised would come. The seed of the woman, Shiloh, the Ancient of Days, the Bright and Morning Star, the Lamb of God, the uh, the, the King of David's line. They were just waiting for that time when the King of Kings came through the door and led them home that led captivity captive. And you can see them talking. There's Abraham there and there's Adam and Eve there and there's Noah there and they're talking and maybe Abraham is wondering how his family is doing up on earth. You know, I wonder how, how my grandson is doing because I know there were times when oh, he was troubled. I hope he's doing okay. And one day the door opens and in walks Jacob and Isaac recognizes him immediately. He goes, Jacob, Jacob, is that really you? Oh, dad, he said, I can't believe it. it's so wonderful to see you. And, and he gives Isaac a big hug. And he goes over to Abraham and says, oh, granddad, it's so lovely to see you. And Abraham says, what about the next generation? You see, God, God gave me a promise. God said that he was going to make of me a, a great nation. And God said, uh, you know, that great things were, were going to come through, uh, through my seed. And uh, do you know any more, Jacob? And Jacob said, oh, I've got so much news to tell you. But first things first, Dad, really? Why did you have to pick that name for me? Supplanter, Heel Catcher, Trickster, Jacob. I know I lived up to my name, Dad, but really? You couldn't have thought of something more like manly? But what about the next generation, Jacob? How are things going up there? You'll never guess what happened to me. You see, one night I was face to face with this man. And uh, we, were, we were wrestling and, and, and I wouldn't let go of him and, and he wouldn't let go of me. And I knew that every time I had a hold of him, that as long as I kept hold of him, that he would give me a blessing and I refused to let him go. And guess what, Dad? Guess what? He didn't call me Jacob anymore. He called me Israel. One who prevails. He said, thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Dad, my name means prevails with God. God has shown us that he prevails. God has shown us that he has a purpose. God has shown us that his plan is absolutely perfect. And even though things don't look like they're going like they should on earth, they are going exactly according to God's plan, because God prevails. And they're quite excited about the fact that God's plan is going to come to fruition. Many years go by and lots of discussions take place. And many people come into that room and, uh, and praise God nobody leaves that room. And then one day the door opens and in walks this man with a big staff. And he just says, wow, what a land. And they say, what do you mean what a land? He said, I've seen it. I've seen the land that God has promised to his people. Oh, we were in Egypt for so long, 430 years, and Abraham says, Oh, that's how long God said we'd be in Egypt. Yeah, 430 years we were in Egypt, but we came out, and God took me to this mountain, and he showed me a land, and I had the best funeral that I've ever had, anybody's ever had on earth before. It was awesome. Read the book of Jude, and that'll be really funny. And Abraham says, Where is the land? Well, he said, I went I took the uh, children of Israel as far as Moab. And then uh, the the land is beyond the Jordan. And Abraham said, that's where I went. That's where God called me from from the land uh, of the Chaldees. And he brought me all the way up. And that's the land where he took me to in the first place. And Moses says, that's the land that God has for our people. And guess what? As we were coming out of Egypt. We built a tabernacle which just describes exactly who, who the one is going to come with and exactly what he'll do. There's just one door, one entrance, one way into the presence of God. And, and it was incredible. And uh, the offerings uh, uh, that God gave us and the laws that God gave us and the feasts that God gave us. And, and Moses explains everything that God did through the wilderness up to the time where they came into the promised land. And when Moses finished... The door opens quite confidently, and in walks this man in purple robes. And they're like, are you him? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And the man in robes says, no, I'm not him. My name's David. And Abraham, let me tell you what is going on up there they're like oh we've read uh have uh, read so much uh, about you in the scripture I, I read how god promised you a mighty nation and a, a, a as people as many as the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky but abraham god is going to do far more than that god's not just going to give you a nation he's giving you a kingdom what do you mean he's giving me a kingdom well, the thing is, uh, uh, when I was on earth, I, I wanted to build God a house. And, uh, and Nathan said that uh, I could gather all the items and the cedars from Lebanon and the gold and the minerals. And, and God is going to have a temple on the earth. And if all the people, Abraham, you are people, Abraham, will lead all the world to worship one God. And they're like, oh, that's incredible. That's amazing. And you can see Job speaking up and saying, well, a temple is fine, but what about him? What about his promise? What about the promise? When has he come yet? Is he here on earth? What do you know, David? And David sat down for a moment and said, Well, Job, something the Lord told me was that he is going to come from my seed. From the tribe of Judah. And when he comes, that kingdom that he had given me here it is what? This is what he said about that kingdom. He said, I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Abraham, when he comes, that kingdom is going to be established forever. His reign is going to be forever. He's going to rule forever. He's going to rule and reign with a scepter of righteousness, with absolute perfection upon the earth. And as good as a king as I was upon the earth, it'll be nothing compared to this king. This king is going to be like nothing anybody has ever seen before. And nobody and nothing will be able to overcome him. Oh, and everybody's rejoicing and everybody's hugging David. This is exciting they're learning more and more and more and more about the promised one, And then this grumpy old guy comes in, the serious looking one. Probably a Baptist, but... He comes into the room and all eyes turn around and he's a rough man. He comes into the room, he just has this air of authority about him. And as they begin to inquire about him, he says... I was a prophet of the Most High God. I've heard about this place. But I've had a glimpse of an even better place. What can be better than paradise? We're not over there. Ooh, this is quite This is quite comfortable. What could be better than this? Well, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and there were angels swarming all around him, seraphims with wings and with twain they covered their face and with twain they covered their feet and with twain they did fly and they cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I've seen it, Abraham. I've seen it, David. It's real and he's worthy and I fell down and I worshiped and I said, woe is me for I am unclean and undone, I have unclean lips. And he called me to be used, and I served as a prophet, and I proclaimed his word. And they they all gathered around Isaiah, and they were desperate with great excitement. And and we know from David that his kingdom is going to last forever, and we've heard about his throne room and all its glories. But tell us more about him. And then Isaiah goes quite serious, and he says that the Lord told me that a virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. And Eve is like, oh, that's how it's the seed of the woman. If a virgin is going to see that, that's how it can be the seed of the woman. Yes. And she will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And Moses said, so so God himself will come down as the prophet and king. And Joshua says, well, that sounds exactly like the captain of the Lord of hosts. And Isaiah's face just drops. And he said, Isaiah, what's the matter? As I said, there's something I need you to know about him. They're going to reject him. What? That's not possible. This is the promise and that's not possible that they, could, that they could reject him. What do you mean? You must be mistaken. He's going to be rejected. The word of the Lord came to me and said that he is despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. And David said, no, 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 Isaiah, you've got that wrong. Because he is going to be a king. He can't be rejected as a king. And Isaiah says to David, he may be a king, but he's got some dark days ahead of him. Because he'll be led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb done before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. We hid our faces, as it were, from him. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. No, 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 that can't happen. This is not possible. That's not allowed to happen because our Lord reigns. How can this be? And Isaiah said that he will be oppressed and afflicted and open not his mouth. He will be brought as that lamb to the slaughter uh, and uh, the wounds. Uh, uh, he'll be uh, wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace will be upon him. But by his stripes we'll be healed. And this silence Nobody understands why that will happen. But he's our king. He's our anointed one. He's our prophet. He's the promised seed. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Isaiah says, you're not going to understand this. But it's going to please the father to bruise him. And Eve goes, bruise him? That's exactly what God said to me in the Garden of Eden, that that Satan would bruise his heel. Is that what that means? Finally, that makes sense. With his stripes, we will be healed, Isaiah says. But he's got some dark days to come. They keep their eyes on that door, waiting for the promised one to come through. And all of a sudden, the door opens. And Micah comes through and says, guess what? I know exactly where he's going to be born. God told me he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And David's like, that's my place. I've got fields in Bethlehem. I've still got some property there probably, but that's my hometown. Oh, that makes perfect sense. If he's going to come from my seed, it would make sense that he would be born in my town. And Amica says, Yes, it says, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruled in Israel, whose going forth have been from of old, from of everlasting. And then all of a sudden, somebody walks into that room, and there's something different about him. His face is beaming like he's seen something that nobody else has ever seen. And everyone turns around and says, why are you so happy? And he said, my name is Simeon. And I think you ought to know something about me. The Lord gave me a promise. It was revealed to me by the Holy Ghost that I should not see death before I had seen the Lord's Christ. And I wanted to know, what I am pleased to report today is that he's been born. God is with us upon the earth. God has come down from heaven to be born of a virgin, to be, take on the form of human man. And you won't believe it. I have seen the face of the one who spoke the stars into existence. I have seen the face of the one that created the whole universe. I have seen the one who will one day die for us and will pay for the sins of man upon the cross of Calvary. I have seen the one who was king for us. I have seen the one. I've seen his face. It wasn't long after that that this scruffy guy comes in clothing camel's hair and uh, just a real wild looking man. And they all looked around and said to him, are you him? He said, do, you, do I look like him? I'm not even worthy to tie up his shoes. No, I'm not him. But let me tell you something. One day I was baptising in the Jordan River and I was preaching and all of a sudden uh, on the hillside there he came and I said to everybody, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Uh, And God told me that I would see the Messiah and I would see the Spirit descending upon him. And when I baptised the Lord uh, and he came up out of the water, God's Spirit in his form of a dove descended upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the voice of God from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And they're all excited. They can't wait for those days that the doors open and the Lord walks through. Right then, right then, you always get one person doing this not satisfied. And this guy walks into paradise and he's pacing back and forth and he's pacing back and forth. And they're like, what's the matter with you? He said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe he didn't come. What do you mean he didn't come? I thought, there I was. I was... I was on my deathbed, I was sick, I was unwell, and I said to my sisters, I was like, Mary, Martha, go and get him. And he didn't come for me. He's never not come before. He's never not been at our house. He's never let me down in this way. I can't believe that he couldn't just leave what he was doing uh, for a little while and come and see me. Well, who's your friend? but my friend's name is Jesus. And Simeon said, that's him. That's that's who the baby was. And Isaiah said, no, that's not his name. His name would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of God, the the, the Mighty Prince, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And John the Baptist said, no, I was too long. So they just went for Jesus instead. He said, I can't believe he didn't come. And with that, there was a voice. Lazarus! And he was gone. Where did he go? And as they talk in, John the Baptist is talking with Isaiah because remember the Lord told John the Baptist the prophecies of Isaiah that fulfilled, that he fulfilled as he perform miracles upon the earth. And John the Baptist is talking to Isaiah about all of those prophecies. And as they were talking, the doors began to open. But this time, the person who came in was quite tentative. He didn't belong there. Was completely and utterly out of place. And you could tell that this guy was not like anybody else in there. He was confused. He was a bit tattered. He was a little bruised. He was absolutely out of his depth. And Abraham had seen his fair share of people coming into that room over the earth. So he comes up to him and he puts his arm around him and he says, Child, come and sit over here. And David with his servant's heart rushes off and grabs a cup of water for him and says, What's the matter? And this man says, Where am I? And they said, Abraham said, This is paradise. Daniel comes over and asks, how, we, how, how did you get here? He said, I don't know. He said, I'm so confused. He said, "I'm a bit embarrassed to even be here because I'm am a malefactor. I was a thief, and the thing is, I was I was on this cross, and I was just a sinner. I was being punished for the sins that I had committed, and I was on this cross. And there was this man next to me, and I was ridiculing him and I was making fun of him because everybody else was. But then there was something about him. He was different." I realized that I was being crucified for my sins but this man had done nothing wrong and above the cross there was this sign which said Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews and I just said Lord remember me and he said "I'll never forget the look in those eyes and he said today you'll be with me in paradise he said where is he? he said he's not here but that doesn't make sense, he said, because he said that it would be today. And at that time, the doors burst open and the Lord Jesus Christ walks into that room and he says, it is finished. He came to lead captivity captive. And all of those that are trusted in the plan of God from the beginning of time, right the way up until the cross of Calvary, saw the Lord Jesus Christ and he took them to the glories of heaven and led them back to where they were to be for the rest of eternity. How incredible for the fact that if you are lost without Christ tonight, then you are in a prison. And the only way out of that prison is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died upon Calvary's tree and shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven, so our home could be heaven. So if we were to die, to be absent from the body would be present with the Lord. You might be in a prison tonight. And you might not understand it at all. Can you imagine being Abraham, being given such a promise, but not having all the details filled in right until the very end? It wasn't until Christ came in that everything suddenly made sense. Abraham had been made a promise that wasn't fulfilled. David and Moses had been made a promise We have the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant. We have the land covenant. Those promises haven't been completely fulfilled yet. And I wonder how many times they may have been confused. Did God really mean what he said? But I can promise you this now, being in the presence of his glory, they know exactly when those promises are going to be fulfilled. And they will be fulfilled. Because God never goes back on his promises abraham didn't have everything laid out in front of him for him to see i've said all of that to say this you might never understand you are prison but god has a purpose in everything that he does he doesn't do things by mistake he doesn't do things that are, oh, that's a coincidence that Jesus just so happened to be born in the place that 400 years earlier Micah said he would be born in. That, that's not how God works. God has a purpose in everything that he does. And you might not understand the purpose of your prison right now. But you just need to trust God. Because one day, Maybe on earth, definitely in heaven, you'll have a glimpse of why you went through what you went through. Maybe the Lord will reveal every life that you touched because of the difficulty that you faced. Each and every one of us has faced, will face, or is facing some kind of prison experience in our lives. But that's not the time to turn our backs on the Lord. That's the time to trust him like never before. Because he knows the beginning from the end. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, the plan for Calvary didn't start in the Garden of Gethsemane. The the plan for Calvary didn't even start in Bethlehem. The plan for Calvary didn't start when Micah said where Jesus would be born. The plan for Calvary didn't start when God told David that his seed would stay on the throne forever. The plan for Calvary didn't even start with Abraham when God called him out of earth to make a nation of him. The plan for Calvary didn't even start in the Garden of Eden when God said to Eve that her seed would crush the seed, the head of the seed of the serpent. The plan for Calvary started before the foundation of the earth was even laid. Can I say this? God knows what he's doing. He has a plan and a purpose in all things. We are the ones who don't understand it because we've got a finite mind. There's loads of things that we don't understand. So why do we think we can have God all figured out? What makes it even more comical is, is when others think that they've got God's plan for your life figured out for you. Ah, oh, this is what God's doing in your life, Really? You don't even know what God's doing in your life. So don't tell me what God's doing in my life. We don't have to have it all figured out. We just need to trust the one who knows exactly what's happening, why it's happening, how it's happening, when it's happening, and when it's going to come to a conclusion. Trust him, no matter what your prison looks like. If it's a prison of promotion, praise the Lord. Learn what you've got to learn and go on to the next step if you walk with him. If it's a prison of chastisement, then repent, confess your sins, put whatever needs to be put right with God and call out to him so he can begin to use you like you should be used in this world. Maybe it's a prison of growth. Maybe you're there because you need to grow because where you are uh, when things are going well, you're a bit stagnant in your walk and your prison is to cause you to grow. Maybe you've got doubts in that prison, but God is going to reveal to you that His word can be trusted in that prison. That prison can be turned into a prison of victory because of who He is and because of who the church is. You can worship God in that prison so that the lost world can see that He is real in our lives. And Abraham clearly shows us that God knows what He's doing. He's got a plan since before the world even began. He knew that Adam and Eve were not going to be obedient to his command. He's given man free will to accept his plan or not. But there's a purpose in everything that we face. I don't understand why things happen, but I'm just going to trust the one who's got everything in his control. Because he's the one that's worthy. Father, we thank you again so much for this day, for this night, for this time together to come around you a word. And Father, I just pray that if there's somebody here tonight that is struggling with some kind of prison experience, I just pray that you would give them the peace that they, they need to know that you do have a purpose for it, that it will come to a fruition at some point. And Father, I just pray that through that we can just trust you and we can know you a peace and presence in those times of difficulty in our lives. So Father, would you just continue to give us the victory we're needed. If there's somebody here tonight or watching online that is a, in a prison of sin, and I just pray that they would come to know Christ as their Savior, know that somebody loves you no matter what you've done. And I just pray that you would realize that you were sinners separated you from a holy God. If you confess you were sinned to the Lord and you confess Christ as the only means of salvation and believe that he died upon the cross of Calvary for you, and the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Father, I pray that there may be somebody that will be set free from the shackles of sin today. And then maybe there's somebody here, Lord, that's struggling because of a family issue, because of a health issue, because of something going on in work, in the home, something going on, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually and they just feel so trapped I prayed you'd speak to their hearts tonight Lord that maybe something that's been said this week has been a help or a comfort or a blessing or an encouragement and Lord as we can see from tonight you know the beginning from the end Father we're just going to trust you in all things and leave this in your hands because we simply can't cope with it ourselves in our strength. We're going to cast our cares upon you. We're going to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we're going to trust you and not lean on our own understandings. So Father, would you just have your hand of blessing upon us, we pray, in Christ's most wonderful, precious, matchless and perfect name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Virgil.